Hey ladies, welcome to WTF, Women Talking Frankly, a running conversation with your hosts, Kyle and Candace. And you, about issues facing women, such as health, hormones, our looks, our libido, life, and anything in between. We promise to dig deep and get into it each episode. Welcome. We're so glad you joined us today. Hello, this is WTF reporting once again from Portland, Oregon, Um, and we are very blessed and lucky and grateful to have Dr. Allison McAllister, naturopathic doctor, rock star person back in the studio with us because we had so much to talk about the last time our episode was all about thyroid, the different modalities, the different types, what causes it, et cetera, thyroid disease, why women in... Uh, postmenopause and perimenopause seem to have far more problems than men. Um, and just to review, Dr. Allison, thank you for being here again, thank by the way. Thank you for having me. Coming back and traveling through town, et cetera. Um, Dr. Allison, just to review, if you didn't hear the last episode, and we hope you will return to that or refer to that, is um, naturopathic doctor for 20 years now. 20 years. Educated at uh, the National College of Naturopathic Medicine in Portland, one of the two largest hospital naturopathic hospitals in the state. Um, and when Allison did her doctorate, she did it in advanced coursework and practicum in naturopathic midwifery, delivering babies at home. And I mentioned last last episode that she actually delivered her niece's baby in the car. No, I delivered my niece in the or car. Or she yeah. delivered her niece in a car. <laughs> they didn't quite make it into the hospital. Um, after graduation, Allison actually completed her residency in integrated uh, at, at the Integrated Cancers Care Center, Cancer Treatment Centers of America, right? Yes, and I think you said you were one of the first? The first resident in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. In Oklahoma, which is amazing. And there, that had a huge impact on how you uh, turned your practice to focusing on hormones and thyroid and PCOS. And, and you've taught thousands of doctors um, and, and so many patients as well. And Allison, you have a fantastic way of explaining things. Oh, she you. gives us analogies that we can picture in our minds mm-hmm. because some of these terms are so complicated. Yeah, hormones are so, hard. Yeah, hormones are hard. So this, this part two is all about what can we do? So we talked about all the things that go on with thyroid, what the thyroid does. But now what can we do to treat? What is the best way to test? What is the best way to treat? What are the natural remedies? And, and can we prevent thyroid issues? So yeah. So in our last episode, we kind of went, went through all of the, we went through you know Allison's background, and we really dove into what a thyroid does, what the, what the thyroid does, and what the different conditions are, the common conditions. So please refer back to that episode for all the basics. But today, we really want to d- dive into how do we treat these conditions now? How can we holistically treat them? What makes it different that we have a naturopath speaking to us today as opposed to an endocrinologist or a primary care physician who have their place, but oftentimes miss, in my opinion, and I think Allison's opinion and Candace's mm. opinion too, these women and these patients walking around with these sort of low-functioning thyroid that most people would say, you're normal, even though you feel terrible. So how do we approach that? What's your approach when you see a patient with these symptoms? You've now diagnosed them with a condition. Where do we go next? I think that's such a good question because I think that anyone can be really good at thyroid. You just have to look for it. And I think that's true for everything in medicine is if you start learning about it and you start looking for it, 
you're going to find it, mm-hmm. you know? So there's, um, you know, there's certainly, we're lucky enough to have some great primary cares and great endocrinologists who are doing a lot of thyroid, but you know, you tend to get, you tend to get stuck doing what you've always done. It's easy to get into a rut in medicine. I I think that's true for anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the first thing I always do is I start taking a history and I'm a chatterer. I like to bring out the chatter in my patients. And (laughs) I think patients sometimes are surprised at, you know, when you're doing a screening for thyroid, you're really asking them all sorts of questions that just don't seem connected at all to like, how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? And, you know, how are you, how's your hair? And do you have dry eyes? And how, how do you constipate? Feel? Let's talk about poop. How do you Natural feel? Naturopaths love to talk about poop. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel when you exercise? And what are you eating these days? And oh, by the way, how old is your couch and sofa? And people are like, what are you talking about? Um, but you know, the, <laughs> what are you taking about? a history? I mean, I, I was always taught there's, we have fabulous teachers at the naturopathic school. And I was always taught that your patients are going to tell you what's wrong in the first five minutes. And it's often true. If you listen, mm-hmm. um, if you listen, you, which you is listen. the huge key. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, obviously you're putting together this group of symptoms, but lab testing, I think is really important for thyroid because mm-hmm. we talked to last time that, you know, especially if we have someone who's in their 50s and they come in, you get that interaction between hormone imbalances and thyroid. And a lot of time we have adrenal issues. And it it is really, without having testing, you are a little bit guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, educated guess, yes, but you are kind of guessing. Yep. Um, because there is no, thi- there, there has been no found, found to be no thyroid symptom that is definitively a thyroid symptom. Mm. It's just there's groups of really? symptoms. Hmm. Yeah, because you can have – it's all secondary. It's yeah. all secondary. You have dry hair because it's secondary it to could be something not else. absorbing your nutrients. You you know, so everything is a kind of a secondary You could approach, be freezing but, all the time because, as you mentioned, you're anemic. And you're anemic because you have heavy periods. Right. Yeah. Which can also be due to other things, too. So it comes so, back to that whole idea of the symphony. And different, and if you if you just isolate one condition that you're looking for, you're going to miss a bunch of other. Imbalances. Yeah, you really just can't, and especially in a menopausal patient, you're often dealing with a new onset of the hormones are starting to go a little wonky, mm-hmm. um, which of course is throwing off the thyroid too, and. We talked last time that a lot of times when these hormone shifts go, now we're revealing thyroid problems. The thyroid problems are often there Mm -hmm. years before even, um, but they get very much revealed during these hormone imbalances time. So, you know, it's not uncommon to be like, well, I think there's a thyroid problem, but we're going to test your iron and your B12. We're going to test your estrogen and your progesterone and your Mm -hmm. testosterone. We're going to look at all your cortisols throughout the day. Um, And then we're going to come back and look at all of it together. So, so you're going to look at the thyroid labs. You're going to look at the what we talked about: the B12, the iron, the D. We'll probably yeah. do a saliva test to look at the cortisol and the hormones: estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, yeah. DHEA. Mm-hmm. Now you have your picture. You've yeah. mostly isolated that the person has a thyroid, thyroid problem. What right. are you going to do? So I think that's really a good question because now this is where everyone's like, the naturopath is going to have something completely different. Guess <laughs> what? We kind of don't. So the thing is, once again, is the way I think of naturopathic medicine is we're going to the root of the problem and we're trying to make sure that we're looking at everything. But I'm going to use the same toolbox in some ways that every conventional doc has. So if I have someone with a really high TSH, guess what? 
I'm going to use thyroid replacement. And we can talk about the different thyroid replacements we have options for. Now, I might also include some herbs to help support the adrenals or, you know, the adrenals at the same time. I'm certainly going to, I could bring in some selenium and some tyrosine to help the thyroid function better. But to some degree, if someone's really off, I'm going to use thyroid replacement. Now we have lots of different options Mm -hmm. there. And that's where it gets kind of fun is figuring out what option is the best option for this person in front of me. Um, And that's where I feel like I'm a little different. Kyle's a little different is that I'm not satisfied with the numbers looking good. I really want the person to feel well. Mm-hmm. And and that's a combination between getting them on the right thyroid medicine, but also getting those numbers to be really in the optimal range right. um, mm-hmm. rather than just, eh, you're in the normal you're range. You're in the you're low good. end of normal. Good enough. You know, good that's enough. a huge, I just want to make the point that that is a huge important thing because so many people get test results that just show the number is within range. They think it's okay. Correct. And it's not necessarily okay. I've we're pointing people, out less than optimal. Right? I've seen people who were on, you know, they went in, their TSH was 16. They got put on thyroid medication. I have no problem with this. Their TSH is now four and they're told, oh, you're good. Yeah. Because it's in the normal range. Now, I consider four still hypothyroid. Me too. And oh. you'll still find if you ask those patients, they all have symptoms. But I know Kyle and I are going to nod at each other because we've seen so many people Mm-mm. who are like, nah, good enough. You're I at want, four. I want yeah, below two. That's my optimal range. Where do you like I want, it? I like it below two. The below TSH. two. Correct. I, I want, Me too. I, I like want, it in that one to 1.5. Me too. That's where 95% of the exactly. population is. If you have low thyroid, you deserve to be within this And category. I want the T3 to be normal too. I don't want yes. it to be like, when, if you put them on a Synthroid, they oftentimes, if they're not if they're not converting, Correct. well, their T3 will be low and they'll still feel awful. Correct. Can we talk about the reasons why we may not convert? Why yeah, so, T4 doesn't convert Right. Sometimes. So, you know, T4 is the inactive there's actually been there has not been found a receptor that's t4 sensitive t4 has to convert into t3 so i think the big question is well why is not all our thyroid t3 and it's because it's too powerful it's very reactive it's very potent less than one percent of our thyroid that's in circulation is at T3. And the reason Mm. we don't make only T3 from our thyroid gland is if we did that, our heart would get tons, our brain would get tons, but my big toe would get nothing. And it needs some too. So our body came up with this system of having this T4 inactive that the the body, those individual cells could bring into the nucleus and could turn on to T3 when we need it. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The problem is sometimes that doesn't work well. So that's a T4 to T3 conversion issue. It requires a certain enzyme called a deiodinase enzyme, which basically mm-hmm. means it spits out an iodine. Right. Because um, T4 has four iodines and T3, T3 has, has three. three. So that's Hence the, the name. That's T4 the name. Yes. And T3. T3. It's a good is actually T2 and T1, but they don't really... They don't really do anything that we know of, really, um, at this time. That we, know, we don't know yet. Yeah, exactly. We don't know kinda yet because like the there's a little like the appen- there should like be the appendix. There. It does have a purpose. It does have a purpose, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but T4 has to be converted into T3 for it to do its thing. And and that enzyme that's happening all over the body with that deionase enzyme actually happens to be different than the one the brain's doing as well. So believe it or not, your brain can be fine for thyroid and the rest of your body can be mm. off, which is why, which is why sometimes that TSH looks okay, but the 
Mm-hmm. The other numbers are not looking so okay. So it, 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 thyroid's complicated. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the biggest things is you need selenium to do mm-hmm. that. And selenium is a nutrient. Brazil nuts are probably one of the best sources. I've heard you can eat like two to four and yeah. be be fine, yep. have enough. Yep. Exactly. And the thing is, we think, oh, well, this is good. We have lots of selenium. But the fact is that there is areas of the country that has low iodine. There's With areas the of the country that has low denatured. selenium. Right. Yeah. Well, and where does your food come from? It doesn't come locally most of the time. Right. You're getting it from other places that are shipping it here. So in some ways, it's like, well... You need to know where your food comes to know whether it's mm-hmm. low in, in these And remember Dr. Too. David Brownstein talking yeah. about, I mean, his theory is that we're, there's this huge widespread deficiency in iodine. We're mm-hmm. talking about the four iodines and the three iodines. And sure, what, there what is. Do you think and there's growing that? concern about iodine deficiency, actually. There's growing concerns. The people that are really um, shouting the alarm are actually the neonatologists. Oh. Um, they are very concerned because babies are dependent on their mother's iodine. And so they're finding that mother's breast milk um, and pregnant women are not getting enough iodine. There's not a lot of prenatals that have enough. And if you're deficient, it may not be enough to kind of catch you right. up. Do you so, make, are you measuring people's iodine levels? I do sometimes do that. It's a urine test. Right. Um, and... I, I have found that to be true for some people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, but I think as everyone's moved to sea salt, which, you know, tastes fabulous, but people are trying to avoid salt. That's where we got a lot of our iodine. Yeah, so they, as people have cut that out, there's more of a concern about nutrient deficiencies there. So you put somebody, let's say you put somebody on, what's your, what's your go-to okay. usually? So basically when it comes to thyroid, we have lots of different kinds and I'm going to say this, and there's going to be people who are going to yell at the podcast and say, that's (laughs) not true. But the fact is that all thyroid is bioidentical. So all thyroid is going to lock into that mechanism and turn those cells on. That's reassuring. You can take them from infancy all the way up till you're 101, be pregnant and do all the body functions on all of these different thyroids. Now that's not saying that they're all equal or that they're all the same. They're not, but the thyroid is all bioidentical. So we basically have two different kinds. We have T4, we have T3, and we have products that contain both T4 and T3. Mm -hmm. Really as a nutshell, those are the different options that we have. Within T4, we have some of the most popular prescription medications. They are in the top 10, which is horrifying, by the way, because this is hitting mostly women. But mm-hmm. Synthroid is the one people know the most, Levothyroxine, Lavoxyl, um, Tyrosint, which we can talk about. Um, but those are our main T4s. Mm-hmm. In T3, we really just have Cytomel right. and generic Cytomel. And, and it's an immediate release. And it's an immediate release, which means you take it and it immediately turns on. Right. And then you have combinations. Mm. And probably the most common, the only combinations right now are the glandulars. So they also have what I refer to as beastie bits. They have T4 and T3. And then they also have glandular mm-hmm. thyroid as well. So, um, and then those are Nature Throid, West Throid, Armor Thyroid, Urfa. Um, those are kind of the common 
NP mm-hmm. thyroid. Those are sort of the common glandulars there. And of course, we can compound any of them. So when you think back on the history of treating thyroid, I mean, yeah. Armour was one of the first. It was the only. It was the only. It was the only thing. Armour is named after the slaughterhouses that kill the pigs. Right. So when you think- <laughs> Which so, is where the glandulars come that's from. That's where the glands come so from, it, yeah. it became extremely controversial once pharmaceutical companies started making thyroid. Well, you have to, you have to, if you're, if you're making Synthroid and you need to market your product, right. what are you going to say? You're going to say, Armour's well, not this consistent. Armour's not consistent, not consistent, or Armour doesn't have enough, or, um, you know, it's not as good. Ours is better. Ours is made in the lab. Ours is cleaner. Yeah. I know. So, so you get a, that, that is really where you get a lot of the marketing. And the pushback. As far as I, as far as the world of Allison, there is no such thing as a bad thyroid. I have used every single one of them. Right. I've used them as an individual patient myself. Mm -hmm. um, And I use them. I have patients on every single one of those options. And I do not think any one of them is bad. Mm -hmm. It's getting the right fit for the right person. Are they all delivered orally? Yes, they are all delivered orally, which is, I think, part of the biggest challenge with thyroids. Mm -hmm. So part of the problem is that if you have a thyroid problem, by definition, you got a gut problem. Right. And that's part of the problem with all of these differences is even if they have the same amount of T4, same amount of T3, they have different fillers and different binders. Mm-hmm. And very little changes can mean big differences in how you absorb it versus Kyle or someone else. And so the cleanest of all of them, I'll give them a plug. I wish I owned stock in the company. I don't. Uh, <laughs> um, is Tyrosint. Oh, so Tyrosint is one of the new kids on the block. Mm-hmm. It's very expensive, unfortunately, but it is the cleanest because it has no fillers. It's T4, water, and glycerin, and they actually make a liquid as well. Mm. There are injectables. You can do injectable thyroid that's done in the hospital, but really, in every day, no. that's not really a thing. I've heard of doctors who have played around using topicals, but once again, if you've got a thyroid problem, almost by definition, you don't. You kind of have a skin absorption issue too most of the time. So that may be the reason that there so are that fewer of those. Well, and I also think that uh, orals work quote well enough mm-hmm. um, that you know there isn't a huge push to develop a patch. Please develop a patch, someone out there. I was just lovely. thinking oh, a transdermal patch. I know. Would be I don't so- know, or a pellet, even a sub. A, you know, I would do a pellet. I'd try that. But but once again, if you get it wrong, you got to be able to change exactly. it. So that could be and really that scary. That's what I worry about. Very pellets helpful. make me nervous. Could be a little nervous making, but it'd be kind of fun. So so you <laughs> tr- so you decide you kind of decide based on your experience, based yeah. on the labs, what you're going to put them yeah. on. How soon? So do yeah, you one test? of the things for me is, and that's a good question, but what I do have sort of a thought process behind okay. what I choose. You guys you guys are asking me to chat. Please you know I'm share. Chat. So the biggest thing is if they have antibodies, I will generally rule out the glandulars. glandulars. And the reason is because if you have antibodies, remember we, we talked about you basically have this little Pac-Man who's looking for a certain protein to lock and key with it. And thyroid tissue has a lot in common with the GI system. Remember, it started on the back of the tongue. So right. usually what you find is that when people have thyroid antibodies, they usually have some trigger, which we may or may not ever figure out, but they have some trigger that is often gut-related that has activated this immune system, which means a lot of times there's GI issues. And if you do glandulars, you're putting more gland in the system. Clinically, we've seen people's antibody levels go up 
if they're on glandular thyroids. Now, not always. I have a patient that was the opposite. But in general, it's not my first choice to use glandular thyroids with people who have antibodies. I've just seen them not feel as well. And we know even if your thyroid TSH and T4 and T3 look great, the higher your TSH is, or sorry, your higher your TPO antibody, so the higher this autoimmune is, the more symptomatic you will be, even if your TSH, your T4s and T3s are normal. Because your body's inflamed? Your body's inflamed. It's the immune system's activated. It produces these things called cytokines, these chemical messengers that are saying, attack the immune system here. And it's the same thing as when you have a flu. It's the same COVID. antibodies are being activated. So mm-hmm. people feel that in as well. High alert mode. Yeah. When you say, I just want to go back for our listeners, the word when we refer to glandulars, yes. I just sort of well, mentioned when they, you were talking about the pigs. Tell <laughs> us a little. Pigs, that's where most of the it's glands the, come from is pig thyroid. They buy them yeah, from, the from slaughterhouses the in the States and in Canada. Overseas in China, depending on what factory oh God. is doing it. Yes. If, you're, if you're a vegan, you you will not be on glandular. You will not and, be on glandular. And then they're always within and that And they blend oral... them together to get this certain T4 and T3. And are they in all of the different uh, thyroid meds you just mentioned? Armor, nature Only the glandulars. So armor, yeah. nature thyroid, west Armor, nature thyroid, west thyroid, NP thyroid, NP urfa. Thyroid. Mm-hmm. Those but not tyrosine, not centroid, not cytomegaly. And those are the T4. only ones that are T4 or only T3. Correct. So the, it's the combo. It's the combo. There used T4 to be a combo that was T4 and T3 uh-huh. that was actually made by um, Forrest, and they made a product called Tyrosint. And mm-hmm. it was a T4, T3 non-glandular combination. Mm-hmm. It worked quite well. It unfortunately was not popular just at the time, I would say. It went out of business or they discontinued that product just when, frankly – more people would have started using yeah, them. exactly. Mm-hmm. And then but, there's also you know. compounded T3 and T4. Yep. Yeah. You can really cherry pick your doses for people. Like yeah. sometimes people don't respond the way you, well, and we, we I know Allison yeah. probably does it the same way I do. You put somebody on medication, you test them six to eight weeks later, yep. you look at the response of their T3, T4, and their TSH, and then you make adjustments. Sometimes with, with the pharmaceutical available ones, the, the, the doses aren't quite right. And you, you just have, have to guess. You have the to guess. first time is always a guess. It's always a guess. You start yeah. low. Usually start low. You start low. And the higher the TSH, believe it or not, the lower you start. Yeah, because you're yeah. you got to turn, you're turning on everything all at one time. Sometimes that's not such a great thing. Mm-hmm. You have to sort of slowly. Right. And work you don't want to go to, and you never want to, I mean, I never ever adjusted more than 20 to 25% at a time. It would be really, you don't want to, you don't want to overdo. You're moving slowly with this. Well, as someone mm-hmm. who doesn't prescribe, um, yeah. how, how often do you find as practitioners that you have to, change the delivery system or change not you can't change the yeah. delivery system that much but change to a different med fairly often really? i would say but yeah, once people have the right thing they usually stay on the same dosage and the same way of doing it for years unless they have a major stressor in their lives Right. Yeah. Would you say that's true? Or Preg- the pregnancy, perimenopausal pregnancy, or pregnancy, perimenopause. all those triggers again. Right. Or they change the product, which happens. has been happening. Um, so, But usually once you get it right, that person should mm-hmm. be really stable for a long time. Our can body, that, can mm-hmm. that – go ahead. No, I was going to say – I was just saying, can that person now? remain stable yeah. if they also have hormonal imbalances They at can. The same Their time. thyroid can. Mm-hmm. But – Yes, you're exactly right. Like if all of a sudden they're stable and they got on thyroid when they were 20 and they've been on, let's say, one grain of armor, which is 65 milligrams, and they've been on that for the last since they were 20 years old, they could all of a sudden get pregnant 
and that's not enough for them. Right. And then after pregnancy, they might have a hard time doing as well on that product, or they might need double the dosage, or all sorts of things. So the shift. hormones throw in the monkey wrench. Absolutely, and, and then they get to be absolutely readjust. Yep. Can I ask this tyrosine that you're really liking? Why can we not just use tyrosine? It's not the, the amino same thing. acid. It's not the same be thing. anything. That's a great question. So I mean, tyr- tyr- tyrosine <clears throat> has to be hooked up to iodine to make T4. So it's an amino acid, but and for some people that may be the deficiency. Can it be, just like they are iodine deficient, they're tired. But generally, that's not the issue. It's hard. It's hard to pin it down anyway, yeah. whether it's tyrosine or iodine or magnesium. yeah. But tyrosine is just a product name that's just taking advantage of oh of the name. It's a naming. It's, it's a good name. No. no, it is T four. Mm-hmm. It's just unique because it doesn't have fillers and binders. Mm. Uh-huh. So once you get somebody balanced, I mean, obviously you're working on a naturopathic approach as well. What are you talking to patients about with diet, Let's, particularly when yeah. it comes to like Hashimoto's? Yeah, because I think a lot of people are like, okay, well, what got this? What, how did I get this? You know, And some people, yeah. there's a very strong genetic component, mm-hmm. right? We've talked about women. It is common to see genetics, and that's, a co- that's probably twofold. One is you probably have genetics that predispose you to getting low thyroid situations. And then you also have the factor of because of thyroid hormone, those women were able to get pregnant. So they passed along their genetics mm-hmm. that also predisposed their children to thyroid conditions. So it's very common for women to have multiple family members or multiple people in their family who have thyroid problems. Do you have a concern about your daughter? You're oh, saying you had four generations 100%. in your family. I would be surprised if she didn't have thyroid problems. When would you be able to tell at her age? She's I, only I will, seven now she, or she's six? She's only six. Uh, yeah. But when she goes, when she starts hitting puberty, yep. that poor kid, she's going to get tested up the yin <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I feel like that happens a lot and mm-hmm. it gets missed a lot and it gets poo-pooed because people don't yeah. want to burden children with a diagnosis of that. But what they also are doing is not allowing them to reach their potential. Yeah, because um, that's an important takeaway. Like, especially away. young girls who start gaining weight like crazy at yeah. puberty. I bet there's a lot of missed... Uh, polycystic ovaries and thyroid conditions. Yeah, and they and they get those things at puberty. And guess what? No one likes to draw kids' blood, no. so they don't get tested. And then, and then they, if they're high, people go. And it is true, children do have a broader range. They're still hooking up their pituitary to their thyroid, sure. just like they're hooking up their brains to their ovaries. Um, but people don't don't treat them as aggressively or watch. And there's certain people who are very predisposed. I mean, there's definitely, if you have an autoimmune disease, any autoimmune disease, you're more predisposed to thyroid. If you have thyroid, you're more predisposed. We're more likely to find things like celiac. If you have Down syndrome, you're much more likely to have low thyroid, diabetes. So, you know, these guys come in in hand. So you're kind of always looking for that. But, um, you know, when I'm talking about diet, for the average person who's low thyroid, It, you didn't eat a certain way that triggered this. I mean, a lot of times it's it's a GI thing. It could be just the regular flu, you know, and all of a sudden this is it. It's often hormones that have revealed it. Um, but we don't have a magic diet that's going to fix it. But and what think, about the mention of the inflammatory process? the process? Hashimoto's part of this is a big part. And you can do a lot. And, you know, we mentioned, see, like, it's very common that gluten um, is wheat inflammatory. Is, is inflammatory, but it's also... Celiac disease is, is considered one out of every 90, 90 um, people have celiac disease. 50% of the population has gluten intolerance. Mm-hmm. That is a known trigger. Why? Because this little Pac-Man is looking in the gut and there's some proteins in gluten that also happen to look like thyroid tissue. So Ooh. 
once again, mm. they kind of cross-react. So food, any food intolerances can trigger, but gluten's probably one of the most common ones that we are like, you need to try going gluten-free um, to see whether that can bring down your antibodies. Sure. We look for chronic viral infections, um, things like Epstein-Barr virus can, you know, sometimes people can have chronic <clears throat> issues with that, that will bring down their antibodies. So, you know, a lot of times we're looking for these other things. And a lot of times it's, you kind of get the hints from the patient, like, okay, we've gotten you better. Everything's good, but your gut is still a mess. Okay. Yeah. Well now we have to get in there and sort of figure sure. out, do you have parasites? Sometimes that's an issue. People and in the States think you can't get parasites, but you easily can. And well, when you say chronic viral infections, do you look for Epstein-Barr? Do you Epstein look for the herpes 6? Do you look for the cytomegalo? Exactly. You know, you can do the viral panels and mm -hmm. look for people who not just have a history of those, because you can see that. And most people have had a history of them, but you're actually looking for, is the immune system fighting that right now? And how do you tell that? You can actually look at the labs and um, you look for something called IgM mm -hmm. reactions. M's are the Marines. They get in there. Um, and if those levels are high, that means that person is actively fighting that infection. Okay. Because Be sometimes we can't. And sometimes we're just dealing with, sorry, Candice, we're dealing with like this inflammatory and we're just trying to do everything we can to reduce inflammation because that will bring the immune system back into regulation, whether or not that was the main trigger of the mm -hmm. Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. If you continue to have autoimmune antibodies, just like every other autoimmune, if we can calm that system down by eating our fresh fruits and vegetables, doing our bioflavonoids, taking our fish oils, doing things like selenium, which All is- All the good anti-inflammatory. Particularly anti-inflammatory. Mm. Like that's going to lower and bring mm -hmm. that immune system back away from autoimmunity and back into balance for all autoimmune diseases. And is there an argument for plant-based eating in this picture? Yeah, or, because the more you do, the less inflamed or, you yeah, are. Or the anti-inflammatory infl anti diet. Yeah. 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 More yeah. of a Mediterranean diet, too. Like, Well, the gluten seems to be the big culprit for a trigger. lot of people. Yeah. What about... Just briefly, yeah. low-dose naltrexone. Do you use that? I do. What um, is naltrexone? I have no <laughs> idea. Well, well low-dose naltrexone. Naltrexone, people often know it because, well, hopefully they don't know it personally, but it's used for heroin overdoses. Yeah. Um, but what it does is it basically, I think, to sum up in a very simplistic way, it helps the immune system bring itself back into balance and helps cells talk to each other. Mm -hmm. So it's working on an opioid pathway. Mm -hmm. um, it, people do not feel like they're on cocaine. And so people have used these really high levels to block those opioid receptors, rescue someone from overdoses. But at very tiny micro doses, it's been shown to bring regulation back to the immune system. What yeah. is it exactly? Naltrexone. It's a drug. It's a medication. And then yep. and standard doses yep. is something like 75 to 300. When you're yeah. talking about low-dose naltrexone, you're talking about dose of 4.5 to 6 milligrams. And people yeah. are even using micro-dosing yeah. now at And it's 0. great. And it yeah. works great. And it helps people with fibromyalgia, Crohn's disease, uh, MS. It, it has a, an amazing response. It looks ridiculous, the things that we use it for, because yeah. in, in a world of medications, we're used to this equals this, right. we have very few medications that are like naltrexone, which is really about 
balance. Mm -hmm. Um, so in the medical world, it looks crazy because it's usage is like, how can it be used for cancer and also used for thyroid conditions? That makes no sense, but it's all about bringing that immune system. We'll post a link to it on our our website because it's important. It's it's a big topic. Oh yeah. It's It's something we could talk about a whole episode, but it's something that, um, I stumbled on about probably 15 years ago and it was great. When if people have different autoimmune diseases that once again, they go hand in hand a lot of times with thyroid, you know, the last thing someone needs is a whole shopping cart full of pills. I mean, that just gets so old so fast. People don't do it. So if you have someone who has Hashimoto's and PCOS, for instance, like low-dose naltrexone might be good because it's regulating the immune system for both of those things and helping with blood sugar and insulin. And so I'm always looking for the two furs. <laughs> what mm-hmm. can I do that's good for mm-hmm. more than one thing sure. at a time? Mm-hmm. So would you say as a naturopath that your approach is quite different than somebody else, like a, like a primary care doctor? or? I think the thing is my endpoint is different. I think a lot of people who just are good, you know, doing thyroid stuff, they'll be like, okay, your labs are good. But my goal is to really get someone down to one and then to keep on going if they're not feeling well. And that means even if they're down at one and their labs look good, if they don't feel good, if their T4 isn't where I want it to be, if their T3 isn't where I want it to be, and they don't feel well, regardless of labs, sometimes that means we just have to try something different, Mm -hmm. you know? And I see that's really, I think the only difference, it's not that I'm doing something magical. It's just I think the biggest thing is you just can't end there. And I see a lot of people mm. being like, well, your labs are good. You're good. Well, and the patients are left going, I don't feel good. And when there's that woman who wrote that book, um, uh, what's called Stop the Thyroid Madness. Yeah. And she, she was a woman in, in, in Texas. She talked about her yeah. story. Yeah. For years and years and years, she was on levothyroxine. and was she, that Mary Showman? She felt no. horrible, horrible. And she kept telling people. And finally, they put her on armor, and it was like the whole world changed. Yeah. And she write this, writes this blog, and she wrote this book. And yeah. I think that happens to a lot of people. They're on the wrong medication. Yeah. Their labs look great. They're, they're on the right medication, but and they don't feel the good. And generally, the thing is with these meds is the T4s and T3s can be the same, but the person's reaction to them can be different because they have different Sounds fillers like mm-hmm. and different <clears throat> binders, yeah. and that means they're absorbed differently, mm-hmm. and that person can be reacting to one of the fillers and binders in them. And so that's one of the challenges that we have is just finding out the right thing for that person. If you know, in the world of, of um, thyroid, a lot of people argue against using T3 because they'll say, well, you don't need it. The T4 will convert into T3. Right. Um, and that generally is true. And lots of patients will do fine with just T4. Um, but there's going to be a segment of people who don't convert well. Mm. And, you know, Candace, I think you asked, how can we prevent this? I mean, we have big concerns of what's happening with thyroid, or at least I do, if you start looking um, about the sheer numbers of people who are being diagnosed with low thyroid. Is it increasing? It is increasing. Thyroid cancer is one of the few cancers that is increasing. We're seeing more and more thyroid problems in the environment with animals. So we know there's a very strong environmental component to this. I mean, you asked, how do you prevent this? You can't prevent getting a cold or flu or food poisoning. You can't really prevent getting celiac disease. But one of the biggest things like in your homes is actually these 
um, chemicals that are coming from off-gassing. And mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of these things in our pets. And one of the reasons we think it's coming in our pets is that what do they, they hang out in our home. They hang out mm-hmm. on our couches. You they said you ask our, your patients, how's your couch? Yeah. Or how they hang out your in their couch? mattresses. And so it's <clears> the chemicals that are coming oh, from the foam, right. from the fire retardants they put in your mattress that you're sleeping that on. That have been found in, in women's breast milk. That have been found in women's <laughs> breast milk yeah. and are known thyroid blockers. Mm-hmm. So this is why we think we're seeing an increase. We're seeing it in animals. Cats get hyperthyroid. Dogs get hypothyroid. Mm-hmm. Probably the same thing. Where are they sleeping? They're sleeping on our couches all yeah. day. They're very low to the ground. There's, you know, so heavy metals in our environment are big triggers. I was so, just going to ask about that. Yeah. So we can make things, we can make decisions in our cleaning products, in our couches, and they are more expensive. You know, you can, but those you pay, ca- pay now, but you're, you pay pay, you're paying one way or another, That's you pay for health or you, you so know, when you say you're going to do something different mm-hmm. with a patient yeah. that isn't responding and you know, the labs look good, but they don't feel good. Yeah. That would be part of your process. It you may would be, be part you'd of start it. looking at what, how old is your couch? How old is your mattress? What yeah. about your dog? I mean, people, when do they're you take your shoes it, off or the exposure right. to heavy metals, which and can be tested. Let's ditch it. You know, I mean. Yeah, your numbers look good and you're on Synthroid, although rarely are people on Synthroid, right? That's a that's a brand name medication. Right. I mean, I don't think patients realize the arguments that we have to go through these days to get insurance companies to allow us yeah. to prescribe what we medications want, what we want. and what we want. Um, and so, you know, you want to change someone to a brand name. Some people really do do better on Synthroid than mm-hmm. they do on levothyroxine. Mm-hmm. These medications are allowed to have a variance, right? 80%. Every medication, <clears throat> it, can, it can vary, right, from mm-hmm. pill to pill. Well, they have to be 80% the same. 80% the same, but that's 20% different. Exactly. Fillers. And for some people, and it can be different from lot to lot, and for some people... They can feel that. It matters. It matters. Other people, you can switch them from, they go back and forth. They don't even notice. Yep. Other people, it's just so, even like birth control pills, yep. they just react to the fill. It's amazing. It's amazing. Can yeah. I ask um, another very oft repeated argument or worry is what about soy uh-huh. uh, being a, a thyroid blocker, what yeah. they call a goitrogen? Yeah. And also, the when we're talking about holistic approaches, you know, we're telling people who have high estrogen levels that dim the extract mm-hmm. of cruciferous vegetables is great yeah. as a way to metabolize those hormones down the proper path. Way and yet, it raw can crucifers can be a can problem be a for problem. the thyroid. Yeah, so once can you, you tell us it, more, crucifers is once you cook it is not an issue. Um, soy, so never eat it raw. So, wait, so what happens, what happens well, with raw? It raw does actually have chemicals in it that will block thyroid. Yeah. However, the amount you have to eat in order to do that is so monstrous. I can promise you, unless you are doing like a macrobiotic raw diet, mm-hmm. you are not going to run into it. Plus you have, oh. so, much ga- you have so much gas. You know, exactly. Like, your tummy's not probably going to be happy yeah, in lots of ways. You could put some raw crucifers into your salad oh, yeah. and not worry and too And not much. even worry about okay. it. No. And especially uh-huh. if you're on thyroid hormone at this point, it's not going to bind what's in the pill. It's it's more an action oh. and it, it's not really the Plus issue. Plus they're so good for you. 
But what about the dark side of soy? Soy does have a dark side. Once again, though, the only... I have seen someone who put themselves in hypothyroid because of soy. Seriously? I have. Mm -hmm. How much soy were they consuming? A huge amount of fermented soy. (sighs) Of fermented soy. In a a big... Yeah, no. And so it... But they were doing mass quantities that they were trying to use to treat their cancer. Oh. So this was something that I've never seen, and they were doing a concentrated soy product and mass amounts of it, and they put themselves into hypothyroidism. To what, so when the argument I've heard, and I think Candace has and too, I've is seen, that- And not, I'll mention one other thing, yeah. sorry, because we mentioned earlier, is high amounts of iodine. I have also seen that yes. put someone to, into- wow. You know, you can you can overdo these sure. things, and that's but that's it's not usually your day-to-day. It's not drinking some soy milk. That's what nah. I was wondering, because like I was heard. I mean, the argument I've heard is that like over in Japan, they consume their soy in the form of you know tofu yeah. and miso. Fermented. They don't drink soy milk. You right. could hear where everybody gets off of like the dairy and they're drinking soy milk right. and they're doing tempeh and tofu. Does that become a problem? You have to do mass soy. quantities of it. So I mean, if you're having tofu, and a once couple again, times a could week, the, if you are doing tofu a couple times a week, no problem. If you are doing soy milk every single meal and tempeh and tofu, like and you're doing like it vegans. every day. Yeah. And you're doing raw food on top, you could push yourself. Sure. But it's once again probably going to reveal something that's already there rather than a cause. Okay. Is there any known link between people who are strictly vegan and thyroid issues? No. 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 Low, low, I mean, iron, have, uh, low, low iron, low low B12. Iron. Yeah. They may, act, they may seem like they have low thyroid because their symptoms are sim- similar. And that's where you catch them with the, mm. the, the, the B12 and the, and, and, the, and the iron deficiencies. Yeah. A lot of overlap there. There is a lot of overlap. I mean, iron thyroid can make you look like you're anemic too. It can make you yeah. look microcytic anemia. So I mean, so. in terms of the prevention discussion, there may be nothing so quite so clear cut. But when you're talking about- Chemical I'm, exposure. I'm, I'm listening. Mercury exposure. Yeah. Heavy metal exposure. Yeah. Know. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly a wise, over. worthwhile to consider yes. way of life. It's a lifestyle modification. It is. And that it takes one a could make just to be and we, an insurance. And we, and we need to be, you know, this is, this is where, frankly, this is a known public health issue that mm-hmm. should be pressured on industry. They have options yep. um, to say, hey, we want... We want couches that aren't saturated in chemicals. We want mattresses that are not soaked in chemicals. Um, We don't need a fire retardant um, in these pajamas that we're putting our babies. You know, like there's little things that we can do that probably do make a little difference every day. They all add up over our lifetime, you know. So so looking at your house, cleaning up your environment, cleaning cleaning up your your food sources. Exactly. Making good, healthy things. I mean, thyroid's tricky. I think... You know, we sometimes never figured out this one big trigger. And I think that's hard for patients because everyone wants that. But, um, but you know, it's these little choices every day that we can make that just help us be healthy overall. And that includes our thyroid. Sure. So you're talking about environment and you were saying thyroid cancer is increasing. It our is thi- increasing. And thyroid disorders are increasing as they well, are. I would think, going hand in hand. So in general, your concern or your thought might be it's an environmental issue. It's known to be a Well, look at our environment right now. And, and we're living longer, we're li- but... And look at our, what we're living right now. We're living with the fires now. We see the, the 
change, the climate change, the environmental toxins, it's affecting everything. It affects everything. Well, and also hormones. I mean, there's a lot of things that act like hormones, act like estrogen, and they're going to impact our... xenoestrogens. xenoestrogens are going to impact us. That's another point, watching the the meat and the dairy sources that you take in. Why not use, you know, those, read the labels, have it say, these animals were raised without hormones. And eat organic. No artificial hormones. Eat organically whenever you can. Eat organic if you can afford it, and if you... Especially in your, like, your meat products, if you're trying to Especially. avoid the hormone parts yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, t- I don't have not eaten beef since I was a kid, but um, I had for the first time, I've eaten a Beyond Meat sausages. Mm-hmm. I had a Beyond Meat burger the other day. I shared it with two friends. I mean, it tastes to me just like a beef burger. It was like, oh my God, this is amazing. What's in it? Is it soy it's too? fava beans. Oh, fava. Beans. I love them. They're and it's delicious. Ama- it's like, you know, boy, that's a great thing. I went stock yeah. in that, talk, talk, in that <laughs> one. Talk about, you know, I became a vegetarian when I was like 18 years old. And I was vegetarian for like probably 30 years. And you were? Yeah. And then oh back then. Oh my God. Th- and now I, I ate pretty clean Who most knew? of the time. But, but I mean, the choices back then were so right. limited. Now there's amazing veggie burgers out there. It's so pretty- why did you stop being a vegan? I wasn't never a vegan. I was a vegetarian. A vegetarian. I just, I just decided. I, I don't know. I, I kind of just decided to eat clean meat after that. Mm-hmm. So I went to poultry. I never went back to beef though. But mm-hmm. anyway, but I try to eat mostly organic food. It can be expensive, but again, you get what you pay for. You pay now less. You pay more yeah. later when you're sick. So. Yeah, right. and you can find different ways if you need to. But yeah, I mean, I would just encourage patients if they're feeling like. You know, they're not getting where they need to with their thyroid to just keep searching. I I mean, you know, just ask to try these. These are all conventionally prescribed. But doctors get in ruts. And they They don't always and they get stuck get stuck in their ways. And they also don't realize that because your labs look good doesn't mean patient doesn't feel well. I think that's the biggest take home message today, don't you think? Mm -hmm. About just again getting back to if you're not feeling well it could be a hormone imbalance. It probably is a hormone imbalance. Right. And once you've got that sorted out and you're still not feeling well, maybe you're not working with the right person. You know, maybe you haven't looked at everything holistically. And don't just depend on the labs. No, don't the be holistic passive approach. in your own health care. Yeah, I mean, advocate. speak up and say, hey, I know my labs look good, but... I don't feel good. I don't feel good. Can and, we try something else? And once you've mm-hmm. sorted through all this, it may be something else. It may be a, a microbiome problem in your right. gut. There's so many things that get complicated here. But I think, God, this has been a great conversation, Allison. So appreciate you coming in today. Yeah, we could absolutely. still talk for days. We could talk for days. <laughs> this could go on forever. And uh, we just want to thank you for spending all this time with us. Oh, and sharing. thanks so and sharing much for is, having is me. Is she not a fountain of knowledge, oh listeners? She is amazing. Yes. So Allison McAllister, give us your your contact details if anyone wants to get in contact with you or are you not taking new patients these days right now i am not okay. sort of hesitantly it kind of comes word of mouth and doctors send patients over mm-hmm. yeah, she's Definitely the person who solves thing. the heart the heart i I've do sent have her a many. lot of <laughs> kyle has sent me some hard people over the years <laughs> <I've> <laughs> um, but uh, you know it's good for a puzzle and i think that's the big thing is i don't think i'm that special um i think just It's just that willingness to find someone in your area who's willing to just try because at the end of the day, we're all the great experiments of us, Yes, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's no lab that can 
you know, duplicate you. And so. I always tell people, like my sister-in-law is going through some issues right now back in the, in the East Coast, and I told her, you know, she went to her doctor, and the answer was not good. So I said, I looked up a compounding pharmacy in her area. I looked up the naturopath. I looked up the Yelp reviews. Look in your, in your neighborhood. See who's out there. Who gets the good reviews? People, people, spend, people don't spend time giving you good reviews unless you're a really good provider. But then That's also ask them, are you open to exploring other things yeah, besides in- interview just them. medication? Mm-hmm. Are you open to, you know, holistic measures, nutrition, avoidance of the chemicals we're talking about? Right. Um, you know, do you discuss that? Because yeah. this is a holistic approach. It's not It's not always, you well, know, Well, and I need to still thing. work on my adrenals and I still need to yes, work on my yeah, hormones. Yes. We don't live in a vacuum. And, and that's the messy part with thyroid, but it's also the fun part is no one has just thyroid problems. No. And I think that's what you've, you know, shown so well. It's... There's always a hormone. There's always adrenals. There's always nutrients. It always goes together. And so. so if this was a lot of information, ladies, keep in mind there is a process for getting to right. the place where it would be determined. It's not like everything's happening all at once. We're taking this in steps and in stages yeah. and looking and all that talking you you mentioned, you know, just really listening to you and and be sure to speak up and Tell your doctor everything and maybe even interview them a little bit before. I think it's a great idea, you know, and I think that we always like to end our episodes with one of our 10 truths that Candace and I came up with years ago about hormones and health. And I think this one is probably the the most succinct today. It's number 10. Finding, being, and staying in balance is a work in progress. Take the first step now. Yeah, right on. That gives me chills. That's great. Spot on. All right. Thank Thank you, you, ladies. Thank you very much, ladies. Thank you again. We'll see you next time. Well, here we are at the end of this WTF, Women Talking Frankly, podcast episode. In signing off, we want you to remember that what you are feeling is not all in your head. And that you have so many options to choose from to get you back to balanced living. Until next time, be well. And remember, if you want a great life, you need to ask great questions. Be courageous. Ask for what you need. With love, Kyle and Candice. Our website is womentalkingfrankly.com, where you can find all of our episodes, check out the show notes for resources, articles, and remedies, and where you can also feel free to email us with any questions, a hormone story, anything you'd like us to share with our listeners. Women Talking Frankly, WTF, is produced by Dan Rigger of Medicine Whistle Studios in his lovely Southeast Portland, Oregon studio. We want to thank our webmaster and dear friend, Deb Hollister of Pure and Simple Graphic Design. We also want to give a shout out to all of our family, friends, and patients for all of their support and encouragement to start this podcast. We are your hosts, Kyle McAvoy and Candace Birch.